0: If you're ready for freedom from the grind, then passive income from real estate investing is the best way to get you there. If you don't know where to start or what to do next, then the Rent Roll Radio Show is the best place to get you there. Join us while we discuss the best practices, strategies, and mindset you'll need and give you actionable content to get you from where you are to where you want to be.
1: Hey, are all radio listeners. I am not your host, as always. Filling in for Sterling Chapman is Cole McKnight, and I'm here with Luke Carl. Luke, how are you doing today?
0: Dude, I am great, man. It's uh, it's good to be alive. A wonderful day, uh, and I appreciate you for having me.
1: Yes, sir. Absolutely. So can you tell our listeners a little bit about yourself, how you got into real estate, and what you do? Yeah,
0: man. So uh story begins... Uh, well, I, in the early days, I came from a tiny little town in the Midwest and uh, grew up in a very humble uh, you know, household um, and uh, got got hooked on rock and roll when I was really young and kind of just like that freedom. I like the freedom of it, you know, and the whole thing. And ended up moving to New York City when I was 20 years old, ended up in the bar business, owned 25% of a little rock and roll bar in Manhattan when I was 25 years old. Um, long story short, I met a girl from the South. Uh, we moved d- to the South uh, and uh, and then we started buying real estate uh, simply because we could, you know, I lived in New York for so long, you couldn't afford, you know, there was nothing, you couldn't buy anything. And then we, all of a sudden we were living in Tennessee and it was like, wait a minute, let's, let's check this real estate thing out. We can buy a house, you know, and this was like 2011, 2012, somewhere in there. So we bought a house Simple as that. Got hooked instantly. My wife and I, um, and uh, and the rest is history. We just grew it from there. And uh, my wife is Avery Carl. She's she's one of the she's quite frankly one of the biggest real estate agents in history. Um, she's got a big team called the Short Term Shop, which I do work for for her as well. Uh, kind of um, one of two jobs, day jobs for me, I would say. And the other is my rental real estate, which I've got a little bit of everything these days. You know, it's been a long, long journey with a lot of hard work to get where I'm at. Uh, a lot of early mornings and, and just uh, doing my best to crush it and get get to kick and scream to where I'm at. And today I've got a little bit of everything. I've got, of course, the vacation homes are kind of our bread and butter. Um, and then we've got I've got apartments um, back home in my hometown. And I've got uh, single family uh, and duplex uh, long terms in a couple of different markets in the southeast. So um, quick as I could make that, uh, that's a little bit about me.
1: Yes, sir. So let's travel back in time a little bit to that 2010 2011 time period, where I know you said your wife was a realtor, but I know a handful of realtors who aren't the most um, real estate investing savvy. Sure, they know how to buy and sell a house, but they don't they don't know all about the ins and outs of actual real estate investing. So where did y'all get that initial education? How did you learn? what What books were you reading? What were you listening to? How did that start?
0: Man, you know, I mean, again, for it was just an accident um, originally for me, and I'm not an agent. Um, Wife, he's a big agent. Uh, I, I've never sold a house, but uh, you know, I considered myself a buyer. Really, a, I'm really a landlord. Uh, but uh, yeah, so we again, it was that transition from an expensive place to a, a place where where you could buy a house, and then that's. Man, we just got obsessed, and that seems to be pretty common uh, because it's very easy to get obsessed with uh, with this thing called real estate. And so we just we just got knee deep, and she she instantly gravitated towards the uh, the sales side of thing. And, and she actually even year, years before that, she said, "You know, I think I want to get my real estate license." And she just became uh, you know good at it, based up basically by, by learning everything we learned and and, and our trials and tribulations and, and dealing with tenants and. Uh, guests and evictions and all this other you know stuff that comes with it. You you just get good at it. And uh, uh, after our first couple of houses, that's when the education portion came in. You know, um, of course the the purple book. Uh, I always have it nearby. You know that that's where everybody kind of starts. And um, and after two or three houses, I discovered that book. And then of course back then it was uh, I think it was around episode seventy of the Bigger Pockets podcast, which was my very first experience with podcasts um, you know, back in the day. Uh, and I just got obsessed and, and, uh, made it my mission to learn every teeny tiny little detail about this, uh, about this gig. And it grew from there.
1: Awesome. So real quick, um, because you brought the purple book up, my cousin, he, uh, he works at a plant and he's like, dude, why haven't you told me about real estate? Like what, what's stopping you from telling me? And like, me doing this stuff and I said look dude, you gotta you gotta be a little bit proactive and you gotta go out and learn some of this on your own and come back to me with questions and we'll bounce things off but like here take rich dad poor dad read it and then after you have a basis of knowledge like let's talk about it so can you tell our listeners like how important that first educational piece is and what you learned from rich dad poor dad
0: yeah rich dad is the is the the uh you know it's the the good book for real estate investing it really is and um you you know you got to reread it every now and then and, and, and the truth is, is most of the principles in the, in the in the book are pretty simple um but really what it was for me it was an eye-opening op- eye experience in the in the way that uh in, in the form that i could just like i i all of a sudden this thing made sense now it was tangible um you know these these ideas and principles Uh, kind of existed in my brain, but I never dreamed in a million years that they actually existed in real life uh, because of the way I was brought up. I was brought up, you know, very, very humble, uh, blue collar household. um, And my folks and my nobody in my family really knew uh, it had any kind of financial education whatsoever. um, And I knew that there was something else out there for me. I knew that uh, I wanted to uh, live a little bit of a different life. Um, nothing against them; they're wonderful people, but um, I, I wanted I wanted more, uh, and sure. I wanted to to give back to to everybody and and to uh and to tip big at the dinner table and things like that uh at, oh, yeah. at the at the restaurant, um and and not the fancy cars; that's not really my thing. But uh, I do like old cars, but uh, you know I, I'm not really like a shake it around kind of guy, but man, I just wanted, I wanted a better life. I wanted some freedom. I didn't want to have to worry about the man coming to me someday and saying, Hey, we don't want your long haired, stupid ass working at this place anymore. Get out.
1: Mm -hmm.
0: And real estate is one of the very few places where you can find such a thing. Right. And, And of course now, now the truth is my friend, uh, the hard truth is, is that if you want to be in rental real estate, you got to have a lot of cash, but there's other ways to do that as well. You know, and I'm not, I'm preaching to the choir right now. If you're just new to real estate and getting to the whole uh, rich dad thing, because most people that get into it are new, it can be completely overwhelming. Oh my goodness. And where am I going to get all this cash? Where am I going to get all these down payments to buy houses? You know, I mean, it's like I could buy a yacht and have fun with it, Or I can go buy an apartment building and nobody's going to care about that. But it's good for my future. Right. You know, I mean, either way, you still got to have a lot of dough. Uh, But the good news is, is you know, this is really this is we're talking about a what? Almost four trillion dollar industry here, real estate, you know, three point four trillion dollar industry. So there are many, many ways. There's a lot of money floating around and there's many ways to make money other than just buying it and owning it. Um, and so if you're brand new and you're scared to death, oh my goodness, how am I ever going to get to the point where I've got that freedom that Luke's talking about and, and not having to worry about the man? There's other ways to do that. You know, like my wife, she became a good, a really good agent. Um, uh, you could, you could get into insurance. You could get into lending. You could get into wholesaling. If you're, if you're just starting out, maybe you could get into Airbnb arbitrage. Who knows? There's many different ways other than just rent to make money within real estate and, uh, I don't know that not, I necessarily did that. I definitely bootstrapped it. It was way, more what the way I did it. Uh, of course, Avery had to, had the career going in, in real in, in real estate as well, with the with the team with the short term shop. But um, for me, it was pinching pennies, and that's not something I'm good at. If you want to know the truth, man. Um, <laughs> but I knew that if I wanted to get to that next house, and that next house, and that next house, then I would better stop spending money on stupid crap. <laughs> right. Right, uh, right. And that's how I did it. I just. I went I went El Chico for a number of years, um, and uh, and eventually you can get a, a nice little snowball rolling, and it gets big enough that uh, that that it just turns into this big giant locomotive.
1: Absolutely, that is um, kind of where I'm at right now. I closed on my first deal three weeks ago and bought a fourplex. It's actually right next to the office, so um, kind of in that stage where I'm saving up for another down payment. I probably, probably Close on my second deal in the next 12 months, something like that. So I'm you're you're um preaching to the choir right here. So it sounds All right, hold like hold
0: on. Since it, since I know that, let me help you out. Take that word probably right out of that sentence, get it out of there, and figure out what the actual real because that's how I did it. I write goals now. I've got I've got I get it from Jim Collins. It's called a Hag Board, Big Harry Audacious Goals. Jim Collins mm-hmm. wrote good to great. And I got. My board, right above my head, every day, all day, and um, everything on there happens. It all happens. Now, that being said, you can't just write down. I want to find a rainbow, a a unicorn with rainbows all over it, and write it down. You got to write down stuff that's you know realistic, Uh, and what is realistic for you is that next deal at a certain date and time, give or take. And if you write that down and get rid of that, probably, I can guarantee you, man, it will. It will
1: happen. 100%. One hundred percent. Smart goals, right? Um, short term, or what is it? Something realistic, um, achievable, measurable, timeline.
0: I don't know that one, but I see what you're saying. Yeah, I don't yeah, know that exact well,
1: quote, but yep. Let me let me Google it real quick. Google it, but it's it's with um it's from Traction, so they've got the big, hairy, uh-huh. audacious goals, and then the um the short term quarterly rocks that are supposed to be smart.
0: Yes, Traction. Uh, Gino Wickman. Yeah. Which Mm -hmm. I didn't, I'll be honest, I didn't know that he talked about BHAGs in Traction. And to my knowledge, that originally came from Jim Collins, but I could be wrong about that. Or maybe Gino uh, was talking
1: about Jim. I think it's all, they they all kind of bounce off each other and take bits and pieces. But um, smart goals, so they're specific, measurable, actionable, realistic, and time-bound.
0: Bam. Uh, So that's from Traction? Yes, sir. Yeah. Well, if you're reading traction, you're going to get to that next deal, guaranteed.
1: You know. Yeah. So I, I, I fully intend on it to happen. Um, I, I don't know what exactly that timeline will look like right now, but it it's it's only a horizon. Mm-hmm. So you started off with some single family houses, and then what was your next move after that?
0: Ah, uh, more single families, but they ended up being vacation homes. We were living in the middle of Tennessee in in Nashville at the time. This was years ago, and. Nashville was blowing up, man. It was blowing up like the 4th of July. It was going crazy every day. It was like the equity going up, up, up. Um, and so we bought two houses there and then quickly um, the market went so nuts, you couldn't repeat it. So we ended up moving down the road to the Smoky Mountains of Tennessee and bought a few cabins. Uh, now I say, I say it's very nonchalant there. It wasn't like, Oh, we just go, let's go buy a few cabins because we're like high roller dudes. You know, my, me, uh, uh, a couple of people, me and my wife, uh, it wasn't like that. You know, we, we pinched, we, you know, every penny counted, we, we lived on uh, $25 a day for a year and a half trying to, you know, b- basically just dwindle down the budget as far as we could to get every penny going towards this, this new goal of ours. And um, anyway, long story short, there is what I'm getting at is, is that I've, I'm living proof that it can be done. I, I did it with, you know, my dad was a mailman, you know, and, and that's the way I was raised. Very just normal family. Um, and, uh, we did it, you know, we did it. And, and I'm not going to say that any, just anybody can do that because, uh, we did kill ourselves. We're still killing ourselves, quite frankly. And, uh, and we're still a long way off from, uh, you know, maybe a Cardone or something like that, but you know, we got a wonderful life now. Um, and, uh, we're grateful. I'm grateful for all that hard work that I had to put in, but anyway, to answer your actual question, we, we went to the Smokies and got into vacation homes. Um, and then of course, uh, we started a company called the Short Term Shop, which is my wife. She's again, it's a it's a it's brokered by EXP, but it's a real estate team that sells short term rentals. Um, and then we teach you, you know, what every everything you need to know, basically about how to get them up and running and on Airbnb and Verbo and stuff like that. Uh, get your own website going and all all, all those kind of fun fun things. Um, so that took off, that took off like crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, Avery, uh, she's, she's, uh, a kind of, you know, kind of a big deal, I guess, uh, in the world of, uh, definitely in the world of vacation rentals. Um, and, and then, uh, we did that for quite a while and, 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 uh, lived in East Tennessee doing that, um, and, and working on the team. Um, and then I got, I got. Uh, this was back in the day when vacation, when short terms were kind of a pain in the rear end. Quite frankly, there were not like a lot of softwares, and it was like a lot of these rumors that you hear about vacation homes, short terms, Airbnbs, whatever, being more work. Uh, it definitely was more work back in the day. Uh, there were no softwares. You couldn't integrate. You know, you couldn't connect Airbnb together at all back when I first started. And uh, there was no way to automate messages or automate um, cleaners or anything like that. Uh, And so it was definitely a different time. And I got five of those. Um, so at that point I had seven houses and then I said, you know what, I can't do any more of these. And we, sh- we shifted back to long-term single families and duplexes um, in middle Tennessee. And, and then it just goes from there, man. I mean, just, you know, I just like a, it's like a spider web. Um, we ended up going back to vacation rentals and bought a few more of those on the beach in Florida. And then eventually, I, I and this happens to everybody. Uh, I if you stay in real estate long enough, you'll end up in commercial real estate. So I I went into it, which is, again, commercial residential, whichever way you want to call it. I got I ended up in multifamily uh, apartments, and so uh, I do try to focus uh, my my most of my time uh, purchasing properties in, in in apartments right now. It's a little rough right now in the current economy. Oh yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I've, I've got several apartment buildings. Um, and, uh, and, and, and yeah. So, I mean, I've, I've, I've been through it all, man. A little bit of everything.
1: Gotcha. So were you self-managing those first seven, 10 houses?
0: Uh, fantastic question. Yes, I was. Um, and I, I am very grateful for that and I continue to do it. I continue to do with a day job. Now it wasn't a not typical nine to five day job. I was on the radio, uh, radio uh, full time, satellite radio, which I still do actually part time. Um, but I had that's another thing. That's an interesting point. I had what was I considered my my dream job, um, and and so most people hate their job, and that's usually how they get into real estate. Uh, how do I quit my job? <laughs> you know, they Google yeah. it. <laughs> I absolutely loved my job, but there was still an element there that it wasn't you know, I didn't have ultimate control. Um, so I, uh, with a day job, I, ha- I had, uh, I had the five vacation homes. I had the, the, the couple houses in, in Tennessee in Nashville. And then I started buying duplexes in, in a different market in Tennessee. Um, the market is doesn't even matter at this point, but I started buying some duplexes. I think I had, I think I had somewhere around 20, 20, upper 20 units, uh, d- number of doors before I hired my first property manager. And still to this day, I do manage the short terms in house. I wouldn't say I do it myself. Technically I do have two full-time employees, but I am, you know, I'm the property manager and I'm, I oversee everything on a daily basis. And uh, it's not uncommon for me to, to talk to guests. I enjoy it. Um, I want to make sure that my guests are having a good time because with short term, it's all about customer service.
1: Absolutely. So what, what was that time like? Like how much time were you spending at your day job? How much time were you spending out in the field, managing the properties? Were you coordinating the cleaning services and all that? Like how did, how did you balance both jobs and your personal life?
0: Man? Well, for one thing, we didn't have kids yet. Um, So that was cool. Uh, I was a little younger. Uh, (laughs) I didn't have, didn't have quite so much gray hair, but I mean, I was just young and hungry, man. I was not going to take no for an answer. And and so I built systems. To answer your question, I would say that that's how I did it. I built, And it's exactly like traction talks about, like exactly like the e-myth talks about. Just so happens, um, I, I was good at it. You know, every little tiny detail uh, became a system. Um, if something happened, another book for you, um, uh, it seems like you're up on your books anyway, but uh, Upstream is the name of a book that I truly believe in. And really what it is, is like anything that's happened, Multiple times, you now need to get upstream, build a dam. And what I do is build a system around it. If it's something that's happening multiple times in my life, it needs a system. So that's what I did. You know, um, I did the best I could with the short terms, and I only had five of them, um, and uh, did the best I could with like the cleaners. I built my own calendar system. So eventually, Airbnb uh, and Vrbo came out with iCal's. Uh, So that you could connect your iCal from one to the other, and then you would not have to worry so much about getting double booked or uh, having to block off the calendar from one to the other. Same with booking.com, whatever platform you're using. And so I, I took those calendars and dropped them into an iCal on, on Google calendar. Uh, and all this. And then my cleaners didn't know how to use Gmail. So I would, I made them their own Gmail account and gave them a password and had, I just, I grabbed their phone, put the app on their phone. And I said, here, check this out. Here's every time my cabin needs to be cleaned. And they were like, holy crap, this is awesome. And I actually stole that from another cleaner. You just learn these things as you go. I was a cleaner uh, in my early days that I, I, she didn't actually work for me, but I knew her well. Um, we talked pretty regularly because it's a small small scene out there and she was like oh yeah i'm just putting the icals those new icals in in gmail and i'm like dude that is brilliant why didn't i think of that you know so you just learn these little nuggets along the way and um and 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 just continue to build systems from there and then eventually with the short terms the softwares came out and made everything super easy uh easy not a good word with anything in real estate but compared more to the way fishing. it used to be dude yeah, yeah way more efficient uh, not only that, but the messages are automated now. You know, uh, obviously, you need to get in there and communicate with your guests, but you can automate the bulk of the junk. Right, right. And then with the long terms, I built systems there too. You know, I I was showing units, and they were three hours away from my house, two and a half hours, uh, and I had a day job, so I would build a showing system. I built a showing system. You know, and again, it wasn't revolutionary crap; it just made my life easier. So I would do open house showings. You know, Saturday, everybody's got to come, between. Th- three i made sure i had some air fresheners going i used to put like um some incense in a little bit of water and throw it in the microwave not incense but like uh, uh cinnamon stuff you know like a, what do you call that i don't know like at your mom's
1: house the, uh, the
0: potpourri yeah throw it in the microwave makes the house smell really good for like an hour right and uh and and I just, for whatever reason, I was like, "Oh, if I, if my house smells good, it'll rent better."
1: Uh, oh, and, uh, we do the same thing. We got a little Febreze spray bottle when we go do showings. We uh, we bring it with us, and and you know, it's it's the small stuff that does make the difference.
0: Absolutely, and you know, that's what I did. And then eventually they came out with Tenant Turner. I was using a, an app called Tenant Turner and they could let themselves in. Uh, and and then I started using a management software with my long terms back in the day. It was cozy. Um, there was a hundred of them. I, I used one for a while called uh, Tenant Cloud. And then now, of course, it's apartments.com. But eventually I, I put uh, property managers on my long terms. Um, I'm really glad I did it myself for a number of years. It wasn't that long, maybe two or three years. Um, but I learned a, a lot. I learned a lot, and that to me was a a huge deal. Uh, that a guy like me, now if you're like a wealthy dude, you know, and you've got a big job, put it with a property manager and forget it. That's totally cool. That's not my vibe. My vibe is, you know, the son of a mailman, and I'm going to bootstrap this thing and work my rear end off. Um, so I'm really grateful for those few years that I self managed the long terms because, uh, man, you know, if you've been to an eviction court and you've dealt with bed bugs and fleas and, uh, you know, lawsuits and the police and all this other stuff. Uh, it just, uh, makes it a lot easier when you do put a property manager on it.
1: Oh yeah. We are, uh, we are in South Louisiana, Baton Rouge specifically. So, um, we, we, we've dealt with all of those things and some more. So I'm, I'm picking up what you're putting down and I think, that's that's a great way to do it because if you just came in and said and hired somebody, you wouldn't know if they were doing a good job or not. You wouldn't know if they really knew how to properly manage and if they were doing exactly what you needed them to do. So, so you doing that those first few years really sets that foundation and allows you to be a good boss, a good property manager, and a good asset manager.
0: You're doing everything right, man. I love it. Yes, sir. What's Baton Rouge like? I've never been there.
1: It's great. It's home. Lived here all my life, minus five years for college. But um, the the crime is getting up there, and it, it's kind of crazy. There's like really, really, really nice pockets, and then there's really bad pockets of town. We just so happen to manage a handful of houses in the bad pockets, so we spend a good bit of time out there in the field. But I I love it. I wouldn't live anywhere else right now.
0: I got my my wife's family's from uh, her mom's from uh, Lake Charles, but I don't know much about Louisiana other than driving through it. It looks pretty pretty uh, pretty cool.
1: Yeah, we got LSU here, so that's that's a big draw for people. Um, football games on Saturdays, they love that. And then we got good hunting and fishing. So when I when I lived in North Louisiana, that's that's what everybody did: duck hunting, deer hunting, all the way out there. So. Um, People love it, but I will say it it is an acquired taste, so (laughs) a lot of times when people come from from out of town, they, they don't necessarily fall in love with it immediately.
0: Uh, my wife's from, uh, Mississippi. Um, uh, so, uh, and again, I, I've come from the North, not originally, but, uh, lived in New York for many years. And then she, she's brought me to this place called Mississippi. I'm like, this isn't real. What is this place? You know? And, uh, now I love it. Love it. We've got a house and, uh, she's from Starkville, which is Mississippi state. Uh, we've got a little house there and go visit her family. All, uh, every chance we get grits, grits. That's the highlight.
1: Shrimp and grits, baby. Oh yeah. And, <laughs> uh, crawfish. Oh Yeah. So um, tell us a little bit about the transition from the single family side to the multifamily side. How did that happen?
0: Uh, it was just, you know, again, like I said, natural evolution. Um, it's, if you stay in real estate uh, as a buy and hold investor, you're at some point going to transition to commercial real estate, for lack of a better, you know, a lot of mo- most people would call multifamily residential, but um Anything with a cap rate anything with an NOI right uh, anything bigger than five units uh, and, uh, and and that's just kind of what happened to me I uh, just put a zero behind it is really all I did now most people end up bringing in partners and uh, and, and going big and syndicating and things which is awesome and you really can't do that uh, with little single families because they're they're based on they're, their values based on residential comps you know it's not based on what the property rents for. So, um, in my opinion, uh, if, if you continue down the road, uh, that I was going down, uh, just keep buying and buying, uh, is, you know, maybe not quickly, but over time and years, it's just going to happen. And for me, uh, actually, you know, with the short-term thing being such a huge part of my life, really probably the natural evolution should have been a hotel. Uh, but, um, it, uh, I think deep down, I'm more of a long-term guy and the short-term thing kind of comes from my wife and she's just incredibly good at it. Um, and she knows how to pick out a winner of a property. Uh, she's, she's just, I mean, she's superhuman, but I, I really always kind of have considered myself more of a long-term guy. Um, and so that's where the, the ap- apartments came from. It was just kind of a no brainer. Um, and, uh, yeah, just kind of happened
1: you didn't bring any partners in for the apartments? No,
0: nope, no, nope. the apartments I own, they're they're not huge. Um but uh, yeah, we were able to over time build ourselves to a point in life where that was something we could afford. And uh we I built a I built a, a system around my bank accounts uh, based on Mike McAllowitz's book Profit First where every single penny that gets made on the rental real estate goes back into the rental real estate um, so that was one way of doing it. And of course, we have the the team. The Short term shop is a giant machine at this point. Um, and uh, we're very proud of that. There's a lot of a lot of people working uh, for the shops. We got 100 employees, you know, and, uh, and it's just a wonderful thing. Um, and of course, we, you know, I had a day job. I still had that day job until probably about four or three, three, four years ago, three years ago. I have a hard time remembering timelines. My wife's always making fun of me, but Uh, like I said, every, every dollar just went fuel on the fire. And our, one of my, one of my apartment buildings was an exchange. As a matter of fact, that very first rental house I bought outside of Nashville, I exchanged that into a 26 unit apartment building. Um, and it, uh, no, I did throw some, a little bit of cash in there on the deal too. But again, uh, you know, God bless Nashville. I wasn't psyched about the increase in equity, quite frankly, because I would, I would have rather kept buying and just kept buying But I couldn't do that. So, but eventually, after I think I held that house for about seven years, I I had a ton of equity there and exchanged it on. uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, that twenty six unit was a dump. It needed a lot, a lot of work. Um, And I've owned it for two and a half years now, and it's finally, it's getting there. Uh, It's fully occupied. Uh, it's, uh, it's fully occupied, uh, which it was nowhere near that when I bought it. Um, and, uh, and a a new roof will be done probably today, actually, uh, after two and a half years, you know, it takes a long time. You got a big property like that. It's not like throwing a a roof on a single family, but, but yeah, um, I, I've been, I'm in syndications too. I've, I've, uh, contributed some money to a couple of uh, syndications as well. I think that's fantastic for the right candidate. Absolutely.
1: Yeah, some people want to be active. Some people want to be passive. But for that 26 unit, did y'all find it off market? Did y'all go through a broker? How how did that work?
0: That was uh, both, actually. Uh, matter of fact, that came from Facebook. I uh, posted in a Facebook group. Um, just make sure. Really, forget Because when people say, oh, he posted in a Facebook group and got a deal. It doesn't work like that. It, what it is, is putting yourself out there. I was putting myself out there every which way I could get my hands on. You know, I was sending. I remember at one point I I sent every broker in town binoculars at, from Amazon and I put an Amazon gift note and it said, I'm looking for deals.
1: <laughs> That's clever. That's
0: <laughs> and my clever. wife was like, you didn't make that up. Who told you to do that? And I'm like, no, I swear to God, I came up with that on my own. And it's so cheesy. And none of them wrote me back. Of course, this was at the peak, you know, they were all so busy. Who cares? They're um, close to the peak. And so, um, uh, that one did come through a Facebook um, private message, but it was a, it was a broker. She was an agent, um, and she said, "Hey, I got this deal. Uh, it's uh, it's coming through soon." I was actually she she was said she was going to keep it, but she didn't have the means I think to take it down at the time. And she's she was uh, managing it or getting ready to start managing it or something. I don't remember. I, I don't really know to be honest. But she was an agent, and she was getting the, the listing. And she saw me, I think, on Facebook or who knows. That was how she found me or how she communicated with me. I don't know how uh, originally she you know, uh, saw that I was looking. But um, uh, yeah, so that's uh, that's how that came about. Uh, it was half brokerage, half just word of mouth.
1: That's great. That's awesome. Mm. So so I don't know what- that I can repeat that, but it worked out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um- we we've looked into to some of that and I, I just I haven't been able to to make that broker connection, but I also haven't um haven't sent them any binoculars or anything like that. So, <laughs> You're welcome to steal that idea. Yeah. We uh we're GPs on, on five complexes, all uh three on the east coast and then two in the Houston area. So um, That's great. We were looking to acquire some new deals pretty soon but um just with the way things are going we we're we're kind of backing off and holding holding on see see what the market can do and if we can swing out swing out on the up and up so we're just we're sitting tight right now
0: well talk to me about that where do you where where when am I going to be able to buy another apartment building what does the market look like in your opinion
1: not great um I think we're looking at least another half point increase in interest rates and for for multifamily specifically i i don't think it's that attractive right now i think the mobile home and kind of like rv park space is still looking pretty attractive right now but there's no telling what's going to happen early 24 with some people say, "Oh, rates are due to drop and things are going to get better at the be end of an election year." Other people are saying, "No, it's got no correlation." So, I'm I'm just trying to sit tight and kind of see see what the future holds for now.
0: Yeah. I agree. I mean, I don't really know. Uh I'm not qualified to talk about uh, current events or politics to be honest, but uh yeah, I I would love to uh, grab another apartment building right now, but it's not looking all that great. So, uh I'll just wait.
1: Yeah. So kind of sounds like we're in the same boat. Um, are you, are you still actively acquiring the Airbnb properties or the single family houses or anything like that? I would like
0: to, I've made, I've made several offers on single family long terms in the last week or two. Uh, they didn't go anywhere, but, um, you know, uh, you got to make a bunch of them and be active to get one. Um, and then, uh, in the vacation homes, I'm pretty comfortable there. I've got eight of them. Um, now the vacation homes a whole different animal. You know, there's a big element of well, first of all, they're expensive. You know, if you're gonna buy a real deal like in a vacation town on a beach or in a mountain, I mean, you're you're probably looking at like seven, eight, hundred thousand dollars, if not more. I, I mean, it can definitely done be done for less than that, but at this point in my career, I would want something you know to take the whole family, like a four bedroom and in a fantastic location. So for me personally, it probably would end up being in that price range or more. Um, and so that's a big deal to take that down. You know, you're looking at a pretty big uh, undertaking in your life there uh, on, on one single family. Now, the cool thing about those is that you can get 30 year fixed uh, regular old house financing on, on, you know, a larger, almost like a commercial small commercial purchase price, but it's a single family. So better financing. Um, but anyway, long story short, I, I uh, we're always looking. That's, that's again, my, kind of my wife's deal there. Uh, we've been talking about that more in the last couple of weeks than we have in quite some time. Uh, but it it is a lot of, uh, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm to the point where it's kind of like, I've got as many vacation homes as I would like to have. I could probably do one more,
1: you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. And you want to make sure that deal is, is a true deal and really good and not just throwing money here and there just to say, Oh, I, I made a deal happen.
0: Uh, this point I'm really a lot more concerned with uh location and like how often my family would use it, um, is a big deal for me. Uh, and then it can offset its, its, uh, expenses by renting it on the side. And of course I already have the, the means to do that. I could just throw that into my systems, uh, my management system with, you know, my team here and, uh, and let it rip. But it is, you know, it's like a little mini hotel kind of that you're adding to your to your portfolio. So but yeah, for me, it would definitely be more like where do the kids want to go for the next 15 years? That kind of thing.
1: OK, gotcha. gotcha. Can you talk a little bit about how the your your team structure is and then how important it is to build the right team?
0: Yeah. I've got two full timers on my end, uh, with the, with the day-to-day management of my, you know, uh, my portfolio basically. Um, and it's not easy, you know, it's very, very, I'm not easy to work for. I would say I, I, I expect things to be pretty much perfect all the time. And, uh, I, I guess I take that back. I have three full timers, uh, with the bookkeeper he's in house. So three and, um, Yeah, so it took a lot of time to build that team. They are all three offshore. Uh, Not that that makes a difference to me personally. It just kind of happened that way uh, in the Philippines, and uh, and I would say, man, it it took me my my very first hire was you know like kind of at the time. I mean, the jobs evolved over time, but that that guy that's been with me for the longest, his position man, it took me two and a half years. And I think seven people hired and fired before I finally got to somebody that was capable of, you know, hanging with me. <laughs> um, and I take care of them, you know? And, uh, and, and again, it's like anything, if you want good employees, you make, you make sure that you're, you're treating them right. Um, and then eventually I hired somebody to handle the messaging with my guests. Um, you know, the day-to-day check-ins, checkouts, handling the cleaners and, um and that job was also again it took a long time to and w- when i say two and a half years and seven people that was mostly it was almost all my fault like i didn't know how to hire somebody and so you just learn from your mistakes and get better at it and i made videos and and put together like a you know a training uh book um and uh anything that came up when i was training these folks i would record it with JumpShare jump share or loom and put it in a dropbox and and then that way uh, you know, if I had to get rid of somebody or somebody quit, I, I could just pass that info on to the next person, you know, but it took me a long time to to build those systems and just basically just getting upstream again, like I said, and, and not taking no for an answer. So I've got, yeah, I've got my main guy. He's like my right hand man, um, uh, does everything. I mean, he books my dentist appointments, you know, and then <laughs> I've got uh, my girl that does, I would call her my property manager for my short terms, although I am very involved there. And then I've got a full time in house uh, bookkeeper that keeps track of all the
1: spreadsheets and the numbers. So your your right hand guy is virtual. Everybody's virtual.
0: Yep. Mm, okay. I've I've been virtual in my in my real life since way before COVID. I've worked worked from home even my day job back in the day. It, it's just seamless for me. Um, you know, I, I mean, I don't see any humans, quite frankly, very often. Uh, you're the closest thing I've seen all week. <laughs> <laughs>
1: That's funny. Okay. Well, um, well cool. Yeah, you've got a great story. So, let's hop into our radio round. So, what is your favorite book?
0: Man, uh, I'm a huge book guy, so I'm going to take this a couple different directions. Uh, huge huge book guy. Favorite book period as far as business is concerned would be Kiyosaki's second book, uh, which is uh Cashflow Quadrant. That's the one book that um really got a hold of me. Uh, I I stopped it and rewound it and 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 Played it again. Uh, I, I rewound sections of that book more than any book I've. And when I say rewound, because I, I'm an Audible guy, um, so that one's number one on my list. Um, but I'll throw another one at you, just because I am such a big uh, uh, book guy. Uh, actually, I have maybe a couple at you recent listens. Um, and I know you're getting more than you bargain for now. Feel free to start playing the uh, the, the the walk-off music, like at the do, Grammys do, or whatever. Do, yeah, yeah. Do,
1: do, do. <laughs> uh,
0: Die with Zero. I'm going to throw that one at you. Uh, I actually got that from Brandon Turner's podcast. Uh, Bill Perkins. That's probably my most recent favorite book um, that's really top of mind. And then another one, Abundance. Deepak Chopra's latest book, Abundance, was also really good.
1: Um, so that's, that's mainly about the, the abundance mindset versus scarcity.
0: I thought that's what it was going to be, uh, which would of course be Carol Dweck's book, uh, uh, called mindset, uh, abundance versus scarcity mindset. Um, but honestly, you know, it's Deepak Chopra. So it was mostly yoga, quite frankly, and I'm, but I am a big yoga guy, but, uh, the entire point of the book was. You know, stop being so damn stingy because there is so much stuff in the world for us to, uh, to, to you know, we have what we need. Um, so I really like that vibe.
1: Gotcha. What is your favorite quote?
0: Well, I man, I got hundred of them. Um, find the message in the mess, Mel Robbins. That's a good one. I win or I lose. Uh, I win or I win or I li- learn. I never lose. Failure is the reason for my success, Michael Jordan.
1: Yeah, that's a good one.
0: Uh, you miss hundred percent of the shots. you never do that. You never take <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> Michael Scott. <laughs> yeah.
0: I, I figured you were going to pick that one up. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Um, uh, but if, if I had to throw one at you that I don't know where it came from, it would be, if you can't go up, get out and don't steal that. Cause I am going to write a book about that with that title at some point. Uh, okay. can't, if you can't go up, get out. Uh, there you go. My, Michael Scott. <laughs> <laughs>
1: And then lastly, what is your favorite thing to do outside of work?
0: That one, I'm going to stick to, one, well, two. My kids, number one. They're the most amazing thing on the planet. Family, definitely first. Uh, man, I love, I wish I could hit a button and slow my kids down because it's just so awesome every day. Um, and But uh, for personal, uh, I'm a big runner, huge runner. I run every morning, get get my ass up early and go out and run and uh, try and
1: stay in shape. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining. Where can our listeners find you?
0: Uh the shorttermshop.com. That's the brokerage where we uh we help people uh, buy and sell vacation homes. Uh I also have a podcast called Short-Term Rental Management which is about sharks. No, I'm just kidding. It's about managing vacation properties. Um uh, so man, I had a great time. Uh apologize for talking too much. I have a tendency to do that.
1: No, we'll we'll link your um your website and your podcast in the description below. And thank you so much for joining, Luke.
0: My pleasure, man. Uh, have a good one. Thank you so yes, much. Sir.
1: This episode was brought to you by Crestworth Capital. If you're a busy professional and ready to make passive income from real estate investing, then go to CrestworthCapital.com, where you'll be able to download a free copy of our ebook to help you get started today. Until next week, happy investing.